It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Oh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. So 30 years ago, their youth and their freedom were unjustly torn away in a case that made headlines around the world and terrorized and divided a city. They are the five men who, as teenagers, were falsely convicted and imprisoned for the beating and rape of the woman known as the Central Park jogger. Their story, from their perspective, is told in the Netflix drama, When They See Us. All five of the exonerated men are here. Please welcome Youssef Salam, Kevin Richardson, Antron McCray, Raymond Santana Jr., and Corey Wise. So I want to start by asking each of you about the boy <clears throat> you were on April 18th, 1989, 24 hours before this whole nightmare began. What were your hopes, your dreams? How would your family or friends, your teachers describe you? Who were you, Yusuf? Wow, that is a, the most important questions, I think. You know, being a young person full of hope, full of dreams, full of ideas, wanting to just be. You know, God said be, and, and it is. I think about that often because for me, my whole life changed. You know, I went from riding skateboards and, you know, probably climbing trees and playing Ring Alivio one, two, three, you know. <laughs> I mean, the most romantic thing I think I did back then was walk around the lake and hold hands, you know. And I think that those memories kind of stayed with me throughout prison. And it was difficult to, to digest that. Mm. Who were you, Kevin? Wow. 
I remember April 18th being excited to be out of school because it was an Easter vacation. And also trying to balance my music, playing trumpet. And also one of my goals was to play for Syracuse University, but I never reached that, mm. you know? So watching this project, it always takes me back to about being 14 mm -hmm. and being in that humble, naive state. And I just always wish I could go back to that. Antron? Mm -hmm. um, I played a lot of sports. Um, my father had me practicing a lot. Actually, I just got back from Puerto Rico from playing on a traveling team. Um, shy. I'm shy now. Um, and just, you know, this was enjoying my life, you know. What was your hope for yourself? Did you have one yet? Yes, to be a baseball player. To be a baseball player. Yes, yeah. baseball player. Yeah. Raymond? Um, I loved listening to hip-hop music. I loved shopping at The Gap. Um, <laughs> Well, my dad, right? Oh, it was always his money. Um, and I loved the sketch. That was my thing. For me, I didn't think about what I would be later on in life because I was a 14-year-old boy. Yeah. I was just enjoying the moment. Who were you, Corey? Just being Corey, that's all. You were just being Corey, having fun, and you and Yusef would hang out together. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Watching the film from the time the actors are being interrogated, we get to experience how shocking and egregious it all was. But we, as the audience, knew the verdict. We wanted it to be different. I want to know what went through your mind when you heard the word guilty. Oh, wow. Life was over. A 14-year-old boy couldn't see past tomorrow. And here I was later on, you're like, you know, my attorney at the time, you know, he comes in there and after, this is after they take my, my tie and my belt and my shoelaces. And he says, you know, five years, you're still young, don't worry about it. For me, it just felt like forever, mm. right? I couldn't see five years. So it just felt like forever, like it was going to never end. Does it feel out of body? I interviewed uh, a beautiful man named Anthony Ray Hitton, who spent 30 years on death row and through the Equal Justice Institute. And Brian Stevenson was uh, freed about three years ago. But he spent 30 years on death row for a crime he did not commit in the state of Alabama. And he said when he heard the guilty verdict, he literally went blind. Hmm. He literally went blind. He could not see. And he was out of his body. I'm wondering, did you experience something like that, Antron? Yeah, kind of. I felt um, numb. I was the first one. The, the ride asked me to stand up, and um, they read the charges off. And um, I just felt numb. And then right after that, I lost my religion. I started hating everything in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, I. Being, at the time, I was 16, you know, that I was older, mm -hmm. um, I literally thought my life was over right in front of me because I really didn't process that I was receiving a five to 10 years. I thought I might die right in jail because the whole world hated us, that we felt, we felt that. Mm -hmm. And like a mob mentality was against us. So during that time, I, re I really thought my life was over. I didn't know, I didn't know where to go. Mm -hmm. I was just stuck. Yusef, do you remember the moment? You know, it's hard for me because when I remember those moments, I try to put that stuff behind me because mm -hmm. it gets me very emotional. I went from being free 
I was on bail. And I remember talking to a friend on the phone, and I said, they got the verdicts. I'll see you in a little while. And <clears throat> guilty was echoed in the courtroom so many times, I lost count. And they told us to put our hands behind our backs. And they led us into the back. And we hugged each other and cried. It was, it was such a painful cry. We didn't get a chance to have a going away party as other folks. Mm. We didn't get a chance to prepare. And it was such a difficult thing to now imagine this new normal, this, this what is this going to be like? I'm going to have to fight. I'm going to have to protect myself. This is the worst crime that you can go to prison for. Yeah. The only crime that trumps rape is child molestation. And prisoners were being polled. What are you going to do to them when, you get in, when they get in there? Oh. And untold horrors were being whispered about what they were going to do to us. Macy's Mother's Day gift guide has the perfect gift to make mom feel special. Shop by price, like 25 and under to 100 and under. Category, like fragrance, handbags, and more. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything. Gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted and for grandma. Get top gifts like Dolce & Gabbana Devotion, Eau de Parfum, Coach floral printed leather Cassie crossbody bag and Le Creuset shallot Dutch oven. Shop at Macy's.com slash gift finder. Are you ready to unlock your inner greatness? If so, make sure to listen to my podcast, The School of Greatness, hosted by me, Lewis Howes. Join me as I sit down with world-class performers, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders to uncover their secrets to success with new episodes every single week. Whether you're striving for personal growth, business mastery, or simply seeking inspiration, The School of Greatness has something for you. And you can find it on SiriusXM, Pandora, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe and follow to the show so you never miss an episode and start your journey to greatness today. We saw some of what happened to Corey on film because Ava says if she would, she couldn't, you couldn't show all of it. No, <clears throat> one of the first things, you know, all of the men went through the loss of their innocence in the moment that they are brought into the precinct that day, and you see it in, in the first episode. Four of them. Uh, the four who just spoke went to juvenile detention and then eventually matured into adult prisons in the state of New York. Corey Wise, at the moment that he stepped foot off of that street in Harlem, never came back for another 13 and a half years. There was no bail. He never got bailed out. He never saw the light of day again. He went directly into Rikers at 16 years old, okay? So he had a different experience. When I first sat with him, he said, Ava, you could tell my story, but you need to know, right now I feel that it's four plus one, because at least they were together and I was alone, and I had a different experience. So that was one of the things in collaborating with all of the men, was trying to tell their experience. They've become a brotherhood, they've become the five, but all of them agreed that we needed to make sure that, and it was a lot of conversations with Raymond, who was the first person to approach me. He said, Corey's story is different. Make sure that you tell his story. His story needs to be heard for him, for us, for all of us. And so that was, that was the experience with and, and the thing that's... The thing that's echoed throughout the film is the fact that you 
just were going down to support your friend. And so were there many times you regretted going down to support your friend? I do. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I do. Yeah. You did. I do. I do. I do. I do. Yeah, mixed feelings. Mixed feelings about it. Do you all blame Linda Fairstein for what happened to you? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you do? Yeah. Is she the only person you blame, or are there others? Corey, you got to answer? Yeah. She was just doing a job at a court of tour. Mm. The court of tour. Behind closed doors, she was just doing a job. But it's court of tour. Mm -hmm. It came overwhelming for her, right? Yeah. As a prosecutor, you know, that, that moment that that DNA evidence comes back and it doesn't match, right? And we're talking handprints, footprints, hair samples, blood, clothing, and nothing matches. Is that at that moment, this was her chance for her to take a step back and say, let me reevaluate. Something's wrong here because it doesn't match. Absolutely. Then we find out later on during deposition that they tested over 40 kids and no DNA match. And so it's that, that pivotal moment that she had, she had the power in her hand to really do the right thing, and she fumbled it. Yeah. Yeah, and she kept pushing forward. I, I believe she was one of many. You know, I think she was the culprit of it because people was going by what she said. Like, she was basically telling them what to do, and they abided by that. So I think it was, she was one of many, but there's still many more that still need to be exposed. Mm -hmm. And I think that, and I think speaking our truth, yeah. and they seen the vision of this, that would do it for itself. We don't need to do anything else. The truth will come out. How did you all protect yourself? Because first you were in, in juvenile detention, and then as you aged out, you were put in prison, and people knew who you were. So how did you protect yourselves, number one? Yeah. I added on some weight, and I became real aggressive. You became aggressive? Yeah, so um, I wasn't getting picked on. Yeah. So I became kind of a troublemaker. Yeah. And? Well, you know, um, at the time, as you can see, I was a little bit taller than Asante, but I was little. And, <laughs> you know, um, I know Raymond remember this. When we went to Sparford, I looked at Raymond, I said, all we have is each other. You know, and it was about to, we literally grew up right there. You know, I went from 16 to becoming the man because I had to defend myself. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, had to, we had to adapt to our environment. When you would dream, I often wonder this, in prison, were you free in your dreams? Yeah. I had several dreams like that where I would just wake up. Like, at the moment, I'm free. I'm, I'm outside <laughs> or I'm in my house talking to my dad, and then when I woke up, I was in prison. Uh -huh. and, and I heard other inmates have those dreams, and I was like, that's, that's crazy. And so I had it, and I was like, wow. It felt so real yeah. at that moment to be, to be in my house moving around talking to my dad, and then wake up, and I'm in prison. Bet it made you look forward to sleeping then, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did you all know that Corey had it as bad as he did before you saw the film? No, no. 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 One of the things that I told, I told the gentleman as we, as we watched this, I said, wow, this was almost like a play of words on us as well, because not only will the world get an opportunity to see us for the first time, but we got an opportunity to see each other 
we never spoke about or discussed how our experiences were. We had made assumptions that we had gone through the same exact thing. And I think it was important for us to be able to really see the trauma of 30 years, yeah. these individual stories, but also the, the amazing piece of a puzzle, I would say, this magic that Corey has. That here he wasn't even a suspect. And he goes down and he becomes the, the absolute thing that freed us. And I, and I so appreciated that because for me, like that's my, that's my guy right there, you know? He had my back, he was my ace in the hole and I will forever have his back. Mm. And I thought that that was important, you know, very important. So can you tell us how you're able to hold on to sanity? I used to meditate. Mm. You know, those, those very real opportunities for me to be able to think about the opportunity of being free gave me so much hope. You know, I, I, I knew that one day I would step out of this, this hell that I was in. And I think meditating was my, my ability to imagine how am I going to step back into the world? Mm -hmm. How am I going to, I know it's gonna be difficult, but I'm gonna be stumbling. How am I going to make sure that I don't fall on my face? Mm. You know, meditation was tremendous. For you, how'd you hold on to your sanity, Antron? By threat, even to this day. Mm. I'm damaged, I need help, I know it, but um, I just try to keep myself busy. Um, it is, the system broke a lot of things in me that can't be fixed. Yeah. Do you feel broken? Yes, ma'am. Um, my wife asked me to go see you know, a therapist, but I keep refusing. Why? I keep myself busy. I work out. I ride my motorcycle and go see Ray. He lives right five minutes away from me, so. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. I'm struggling. But wouldn't going to therapy offer you a kind of real freedom and a kind of peace don't, don't you yearn for that? Or do you yearn for that? No, ma'am. Um, you don't? I lost my mother. Um, Your mother died not too yes, long ago. Yes, ma'am. She's the only one there for me at that time. My father left home. Um, um, <sighs> Man. So we get to see in the film that beautiful scene where Michael Kay is in the bed and is being put down by his son, grown son. Did you ever have reconciliation with your father? Did you ever forgive him for convincing you to lie? No, ma'am. Like I said before, he's a coward. Mm -hmm. I have six kids, four boys, two girls. I couldn't imagine doing that to my son. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He allowed on to mush me, pulled me in my chest. No, ma'am. No. I hate him. Mm. My life is ruined. Oh 
Are you ready to unlock your inner greatness? If so, make sure to listen to my podcast, The School of Greatness, hosted by me, Lewis Howes. Join me as I sit down with world-class performers, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders to uncover their secrets to success with new episodes every single week. Whether you're striving for personal growth, business mastery, or simply seeking inspiration, The School of Greatness has something for you. And you can find it on SiriusXM, Pandora, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe and follow to the show so you never miss an episode and start your journey to greatness today. So even with this, so tell us this, Antron. It feels like this movie has brought a sense of not just recognition to, to you exonerated five, but it feels like something is happening in the whole country, that this art has now elevated the conversation to the point that we at least are willing to look at the injustices. And you were a part of that. Does none of this feel like some kind of redemption? I ask that of you and the rest of you that. Not for me, man. I appreciate it, though. <laughs> um, Y'all probably know more about my case than, you know, than I do. I just know I didn't do it. My brothers didn't do it. So I, I ran away from everything. I left New York. Yeah. So what do you want to say about this cycle that you now have been a huge part of, of injustice and racism? Mm. You know, he, here we are um, 30 years later, and not too many things have changed. I'm so happy and ecstatic that we can start the conversation now and to make sure there will no, never be another Central Park Five and make sure we have the platform to make sure of that. So I, I understand what Antron means. It is bittersweet because watching this is painful, mm. but it's necessary. Right. This needs to be watched. Yeah. We need to make sure things change now. So for your father is now raising your own children and as black men in the United States, you were saying nobody had had the conversation with you before. What do you tell your sons? about what to do if stopped by a police officer? Um, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Um, wait till I get there. Um, wait till we get there. Actually, wait till we get there. <laughs> yeah, ask for a lawyer. First of all, you, you shouldn't get in trouble at all. So he's he gonna have problems anyway if you get in trouble. He shouldn't get in, no, no problems at all, but mm -hmm. Just ask for a lawyer, we'll be there, don't say anything. You know, we were talking about everybody watching the film and it reigniting all of the trauma. I was watching you last night, Corey, watch the fourth episode and with Jarrell, and um, I, I can't imagine being you watching that happening. How is that for you to see that reenacted? <laughs> That's how it was. That's how it was. Yeah. It was wow. just bittersweet. Bittersweet. Looking at my life, where I couldn't look at it when I was when I was going through poetry and emotion. So it's for him to introduce that introduce my pain to me. Mm. I said, Wow. I said, Wow. Life after death. Thank you, Biggie. Life after death. He just, he just made me a reality of it. Does it feel like now for you this is life after death? Yes. 
Do you all remember the exact moment that you heard someone by the name of Mateus Reyes had confessed to this crime that you'd paid your life for? When did you hear that he had done it, Corey? Because you were still in for quite a while after. My mom had called her um, Auburn. Your mom called? She was like, Corey, I don't know about you. you somebody's always loving you, and Reyes. Just as it's portrayed in the film. That's what he told me, <laughs> yes. yeah. Yes. Somebody loves you. Somebody loves you, yeah. Do you remember where you were when you heard? I was in uh, Franklin Correctional, and I had called my dad, and he was just so hype on the phone. And I said, I don't know, they brought me down here, because that's the processing center, and I didn't know why I was there. And I said, they brought me down here, and they asked me all these questions. And he said, and he just was like, because you get ready to come home. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, they found the guy that did it. They found him. And I literally was like, as you see in the doc, I cursed at him. And like, you know. Yeah. And I was like, ah, and I hung up on him. You know, mm -hmm. I literally hung up on him. I couldn't believe it. I was just so institutionalized by that point that I felt that I wasn't going to get out of prison. I just was like, whatever. Antron, do you remember? Yes, ma'am. Um, I just got off of work. I used to work the third shift. And um, took a shower, turned on ESPN, and um, got something to eat. And my cousin called me. And he's just, Tron, the truth came out. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? He said, your case, your case. Turn on, turn It was some news station. And I was like, you serious? And he said, yeah, yeah, turn it on. And I turned it on, and we was on it. We was on there. And then my mother called. And she's like, baby, the truth came out. And um, they, caught, they caught the man who did it. She didn't, we didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I was in Maryland. And she's like, um, now do you believe in God? I was like, nah, ma, no, no. <laughs> and, um, and, then, and then she said, um, and I was like, nah, ma, I didn't do it, so the truth was gonna come out eventually, you know, one day. But she, my mother said, but he kept you alive, baby, to see it. Mm. Mm -hmm. yes. I was like, mm. yes. you're right, ma. Mm -hmm. mm. Kevin, where were you? Yeah, I remember I was working the night shift, and you see, I was working in a, in a nursing home, and, um, People was telling me that it was on, and I went to watch it. And I remember that point, I left work. I didn't care if I was getting fired. I didn't care about anything. <laughs> I ran home to my mother, and we had a moment where we hugged, and we hugged for about 10 minutes straight. Wow. And she said, it's true, it's true. I told you the truth was come out. You know, and that's what I remember from that day. Wow. Yeah. You, Seth? Wow. I remember saying to myself, Wow, they found the guy who did this. And then I had this weird thought. They're gonna make this into the sixth man. Uh, yeah. And they're gonna somehow bury this. We didn't do this. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, they made it. We, we came home. Well, I shouldn't say we came home. We came out from underneath the system in late 2002, we filed lawsuits to get, our, to get some type of restorative justice. It took another 12 years mm. for the city to take care of the lawsuits. It took another 12 years. It was from 2002. Well, the city's all had along, a lawsuit, but they've never apologized. They've never no apologized. one has ever apologized yes. to the men or their families for yeah. Yeah. not what happened, but what was done. Yeah. What was done. Everybody hears you got a settlement, and they think, oh, okay, so you got money. Right. Can money heal? No. No, not at all. No. 
Money can't take back the time that we lost in those years. We will never get that back. We cannot bring that back, no matter what. You know, we're happy that we are able to provide for our families, get to feel good as a man to do so. Mm -hmm. Like Yusuf always say, we have invisible scars that nobody sees. That's right. That can never be erased. And try. It helped out, but my mother passed away from cancer, and I couldn't buy her a kidney, pancreas. I just watched her die in front of me. And I couldn't do anything to save her. What her money in the world, we, you know, that people thought we had, I couldn't even save my mother. I couldn't save my mother at all. You know, so. Raymond? I mean, in some instances, it made it worse because people forgot that we had to split it five ways. We had to pay attorney fees. Yeah. Right? And, and so now when you came in, they go, oh, you got $40 million. Yeah. Me? By myself? Yeah. Right? And yeah. so it made it worse in some instances. Yeah. But you all were at least all married. You're single, so did you have a lot of women who wanted to be your friend? <laughs> I'm still going on. <laughs> so what gives you hope today? The fight. Yeah. I mean, since, you know, it took them two and a half years to charge us, try us, convict us, and send us to prison, and then forget about us. And what they forgot, what they didn't realize was that we still here. Yeah. Right? We're grown now. Yeah. And they will have to deal with us for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Anything give you hope, Antron? My kids, my wife. Kids. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. So I asked that question of you, Yusef. I'm hopeful. Now the world is getting an opportunity not only to see what it was that we went through, but also see that we survived. They took diamonds and threw it in the dirt. And we were still diamonds. And when they picked us up, we were still diamonds, still unbreakable, still strong. Mm -hmm. And I think that for young people, for the future generations that are going to absolutely change this system, that's what gives me hope. So. Has Ava fulfilled or exceeded mm. your expectation? Exceeded. Yes. Exceeded. Exceeded. <laughs> Far and beyond. Far, Far and, and beyond. beyond. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Far and beyond. Yeah. That was the biggest thing. I wanted them to love it. You know, as a filmmaker, you, over the years, you think about critics and awards and you know, your peers, and you want other filmmakers to love it, and you want the public to love it, and this was for them to love it, the five of them. Um, I remember when we screened it in Los Angeles. Um, Netflix was kind enough to fly them all out, and I sat behind Corey, and I watched them all watch it. I watched them all learn each other's stories, because they were in their own, isolated, their own life, so they didn't know the intricacies of what was happening behind doors in the other man's story. Um, particularly with Corey's story. And afterward, they all embraced each other and me. We all had tears. And uh, we understood each other a little bit more. And hopefully from people understanding these men, they'll understand. That's got to be one of the greatest things as a... Well, there's no review. There's no... I mean, the reviews have been really lovely. I haven't read them. Um, <laughs> and and it, for the first time, because there's nothing else that can beat the moment when Corey Wise stands up after you see episode four, I was sitting right behind him. He stood up, and I was terrified. I didn't know what he was going to say. Mm. And he had tears in his eyes, and he said, 
He did it. He got it right. And he, gave, and he embraced me. And, um, you know, and they all have different ways that they express themselves and communicate. But you all gave me the honor of communicating with me in your own way and letting me listen to you and let me tell the story. And I hope, my hope for you is that you don't have to keep telling the story. It's been told, and you can live your life yeah. knowing that you won, right? Yes. You, you won, won, and we believe you, and we see you. Yes. We believe you, and we see you. We see you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Antron, Kevin, Yousef, Raymond, and Corey. Yeah. Thank you. Let's grab. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening.